Welcome to Georgia Focus. I'm John Clark on the Georgia News Network. The Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning is responsible for meeting the child care and early education needs of Georgia's children and their families. They distribute federal funding to enhance the quality and availability of child care and work with Georgia child care resources and referral agencies and organizations throughout the state to enhance early care and education. Amy Jacobs is a commissioner for DECAL, and she joins us today. And, Amy, it's, it's good to talk to you again. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. So tell us about DECAL, uh, what you guys do, the scope of what you do, and uh, the areas you're responsible for. DECAL, I like to refer to us as the state's birth to five early learning agency. So similar to DOE that I would consider K-12, we are birth through five. And so we do a lot of different things. Um, we license all child care programs throughout the state. There are about 4,500 um, child care centers or family child care learning homes that we license and make sure that they are healthy and safe for the over 330,000 children that attend them. Um, we also administer Georgia's pre-K program, which is probably what we're best known for since it's been around for over 27 years, which is the, um, the free lottery-funded pre-K program for four-year-olds. Uh, we also administer um, many different food programs to help pay uh, reimbursement for meals for, for low-income children and when they attend child care. Uh, we also have Quality Rated, which is our rating system for child care. So um, we rate programs based on a one, two, or three star based on our um, assessment of those programs. And then we also administer the child care subsidy program in our state. So the subsidy program um, helps pay for child care for low-income families while they either go to work or go to school so that their children can attend child care. Do, do you primarily uh, work with low-income families or do you work with all levels, all, all I guess all uh, people from all walks of life and all the uh, socioeconomic levels? Sure. So we work with all families, um, no matter, you know, their income or where they live or what their situation is. Um, specifically for our subsidy program, it is income um, eligible program. But for our pre-K program, there is no income requirement. So um, it just it's different from program to program. So we serve all um, all individuals, no matter what their income is. What ages do you serve? Primarily? So um, it's Mostly it's birth to five years old. Okay. However, you know, I mentioned that we license child care. And so many child care programs also serve elementary school students. So they'll serve them um, either before or after school. You know, they'll go to school during their regular day and then they'll be there before and after. So I like to say it's mostly birth to five. That's what we're focused on those early learning years. Yeah. Well, you, you know, uh, we've had COVID. <laughs> Everybody knows that <laughs> for the last couple of months. <laughs> Um, and I, and I've, I've actually I've I've noticed childcare centers. Some are starting to open now, and as I ride by them, um, so how has that impacted the work that you do at Decal? So um, you know, I think we've all been impacted in ways that we never could plan for or even imagined. Um, you know, as far as childcare goes in Georgia, um, that was not a business that the governor mandated closure for. Um, he recognized all along that. Um, even as businesses were closing down, you know, temporarily, that childcare was still going to be needed for families to go to work, especially if you're in those um, essential workforces like first responders, those folks, uh, you know, stocking our grocery shelves, which I know we were all thankful for. So although many programs temporarily closed, 
we had about 30% of programs at, I would say, the height of the COVID-19 that were still open. Now, they were open and they were serving families. Their enrollment was very um, definitely down from you know, normal levels, but they felt like they needed to stay open um, to serve those essential type of personnel so that they could go to work. That was a hard decision for them to make to stay open because obviously there are a lot of new um, requirements to make sure everything, everyone is safe. And it was a hard decision for those centers that had to close um, either because they had low enrollment, they didn't have staff that could come. So it was, it's definitely been a difficult time um, for childcare, but we are starting to see programs reopen every day. So right now we're above 50% of all licensed childcare is open in Georgia and that number continues to increase. So we feel like people are going back to work and childcare starting to get back to normal. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I, I have noticed that well, I noticed all along, I live in North Fulton and I, okay. you know, riding by the childcare centers, even at the height of COVID, there were cars in front. So I wondered, are they open? And so, uh, you just answered that. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad some were able to stay open and help out people. Yes. Certainly. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we, when will you be up to a hundred percent? Do you think for your your operations? You know, as far as decal specifically, we we've never missed a beat. Okay. You know, of course, you know our, the way we've done our work has changed. Um, uh, we've had we have a lot of staff that work from their home offices anyway. They're all around the state, and so they're used to doing that. They're used to being in childcare programs, doing monitoring visits or professional development, and so that obviously has changed because we haven't been able to go into programs. So we've we looked at doing virtual type monitoring and professional development like that. So as far as decal proper, I wouldn't say that has really changed. As far as childcare programs, you know, it's hard to tell, you know, when folks will be up and running 100%. Um, but like I said, um, as um, we see every day more programs are opening, I think we'll continue to see those numbers increase. And as we start to hear schools are starting to reopen, I think there's a little bit of confidence that, okay, if yeah. schools are reopening, then we've got to reopen, you know, as well. So um, everyone's taking precautions. We put out a lot of guidelines on how to do it safely. And so I think we'll continue to see. But I just don't know, you know, when we'll be back to 100%. What about the programs you have? Like, for example, the Summer Meals Program. And the program was since schools have been closed, the, 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 the programs where uh, you have summer meals programs for kids and all. How has that been impacted so um, summer meals has continued. We're just calling it an emergency feeding program right now. Um, the USDA um, is where we get um, all our funding for that, and they've relaxed some of the regulation. And so we have sponsors all over the state who are providing meals and have been providing meals um, since, I would say, the middle of March when school was out and a lot of children you know, don't have access to meals. And so since the middle of March, we've um, provided about 2.7 million meals through that program. Um, we anticipate that our traditional summer feeding program will probably start in some form or fashion, and those meals will continue. We serve about 5 million meals you know, every summer, and so um, we think there will be more than that since we were able to start a little bit earlier um, given the COVID-19 and schools being out and children not having access to meals, but luckily... A lot of sponsors have stepped up and are being able to provide those meals for those children. You provide, you said five million meals during the summer. That's astonishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So that's that's during the summer. Now we also administer the child and adult food care program, which are meals that are actually um, served in child care programs, and those are over eighty million meals every year. Wow. So 
that's probably an unknown of what we do. Um, yeah. But yeah, those meals are, are reimbursable by um, through us through the USDA. Yeah, you know that had to be uh, a, 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 create some anxiety, you know, among families that depend on that when COVID first hit. You know what what's going to happen? I you know the, I need this. So you you guys were definitely uh, essentials uh, in, in that. I, I'm sure you uh, did. You hear from any? Uh, pretty uh, nervous parents uh, that their kids weren't going to get anything? Yeah, of course. You know, of yeah. course, with school out and those, that can be, you know, breakfast and a lunch for a child. So um, that's when we worked really hard to get as many sponsors up and running as quickly as possible. And the good thing about it was the USDA allowed us to relax some of our regulations so parents could actually pick up more than one meal. The child didn't actually have to come there and eat the meal. Um, so, you know, they were trying to be as flexible as possible so that families would have food on their table. Yeah. And, and of course, the result of, of COVID, uh, you know, it's going to be, you know, the governor has announced there's going to be some pretty significant cuts that have to be made at agencies. And you guys are, you know, you, you're responsible for all these millions of meals and uh, you oversee an annual budget that's very large and you're responsible for all helping out all these kids. What do you anticipate with that? Yeah, um, you know, I think we were definitely, you know, obviously anticipating that we were going to be subject to some reductions. Um, definitely never an easy thing to go through. Um, so we have two kind of fund sources with our state general funds, pays for our chapter subsidy program. Uh, we're going to, we serve about 50,000 children, um, so they receive a subsidy to help their parents pay for child care. So we're going to move um, some of them to a different type of scholarship there. So they'll still receive a scholarship. They'll receive, uh, continue to receive help paying for child care. It's just a different model. So it'll save us about $8 million. So fortunately, we were able to um, figure that out so that no one would not receive um, help paying for child care. Now, on the other side, you know, we also receive lottery funds for our Georgia pre-K program. And that's, uh, we were required to submit about a $50 million cut uh, to Georgia pre-K. So that's pretty substantial. Um, you know, we don't know how impacted lottery revenues are. We don't think they have been impacted um, as much as state general revenues. So we're hopeful um, that those cuts won't be as harsh. Um, we propose things like reducing the school year for students and for teachers, Um Closing some classrooms, we're funded for about 84,000 uh, slots for four-year-olds. And we, um, at the 14% reduction, we've um, suggested cutting 4,000 of those slots. That would mean closing 180 classrooms. So pretty drastic types of reductions, but we're hopeful that it won't um, be that harsh once uh, we know what lottery revenues are looking like. You depend on some grants. I, I believe you got some some grants recently. Uh, what about those? Do you expect those to continue as as is? So we do receive um, a lot of federal funding, um, and so our normal federal funding we do can expect to continue to flow, which is uh, very positive for us. You know, we did receive some additional dollars from the CARES Act um, with all those different acts that Congress passed to help out states. So we received about $144 million from the CARES Act. And the direction we received to do with that money was to send it to child care because child care was struggling. They don't have a huge reserve. And we know how important child care is going to be as the economy 
um, gets back up and running and people start going back to work, they're going to need child care. So right now we've sent out about $40 million to child care across the state to help them to stabilize their business. We know they were hit uh, financially, and so um, we've sent that out right now, and we're going to send the rest out probably in a second phase of funding. But all that money will um, will go out the door. The challenge with that is it's really one-time funding, so you can't use it to do anything that you want to sustain. So that's why we've uh, elected to do it as payments to all 4,500 child care programs to help them stabilize and get back up and running so parents can go back to work. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, I, I, I don't envy you in having to make the decisions as far as the, the cuts that need to be made. I mean, they're necessary given the, the fact that, the, you know, we shut down the state. And uh, so it's, right. it's understandable, but I know that some tough decisions have to be made. But it sounds like you're, uh, uh, you've certainly got a handle on it, it sounds like. So, you know, uh, we're trying and everybody's in the same boat, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're doing the best we can. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Today we are discussing the work of DECAL, the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning, and we're talking with Amy Jacobs. She is a commissioner for DECAL. I want to talk a little, dive a little deeper into some of your programs. You mentioned some at the beginning of our discussion. Uh, talk about your pre-K program, the, the benefits of that. I know it's, it's not required by law, but, how, you know, what should, what should parents think of when they're considering it? Sure. So um, Georgia pre-K is offered in 159 counties, so all counties in Georgia. We serve about 84,000 four-year-olds, and that's about 60% of the four-year-olds. Uh, population is served in Georgia's pre-K. You can either choose a public school or you can choose a private child care setting, and it's free, and there's no, you know, requirements. You just have to be four years old by September 1st. So those are all um, the very easy, accessible ways um, to find a Georgia pre-K classroom. The benefits to you, uh, we know from uh, many, many studies that have been done of Georgia's pre-K program that it prepares children for kindergarten. So, um, specifically, we are in the middle, or actually ending a longitudinal study where we followed a group of four-year-olds from their pre-K year through their fourth grade year. And what it shows over and over again is that those students that attended Georgia pre-K make huge gains on all areas of learning, above and beyond what would be expected of a normal four- or five-year-old. So um, it's a very um, effective program. It's a very good program for four-year-olds. Um, to prepare them for kindergarten, really to prepare them for lifelong learning, because we know how important those early years are in providing that solid foundation for future growth and development. And there's no cost to anyone on that, you said. That's right. Yeah. It's a six-and-a-half-hour school day, so it, that is completely oh. free. That's exactly right, okay. yes. And they're all you know, certified teachers, so you're, you're getting a very high-quality education uh, in Georgia's pre-K program. You know, it's something that the kids are, are starting to learn. I mean, you know it all too well. That's what you do. They're really starting to learn at a younger and younger age, and they're really it's given, kind of given them a head start on that. I know, you know, when I'm coming along, I don't know about you, when I came along, you started kindergarten, and, and you went from there. Now, you know, there didn't seem to be any options for starting. Uh, there were preschools, I guess, but that's really changed over the years, and it is making impact then, right? It really has changed. I would say the research over the last 10 to 15 years has really highlighted how important early learning is starting at birth. Um, we know now that, you know, the majority of brain development, up to 90% of your brain develops by the time you're three years old. And when you're exposed to a high-quality early learning program, 
um, usually in a child care setting, um, you're setting this strong foundation for future success. And Georgia Pre-K is a part of that. And so, no, you're exactly right. It has definitely changed um, and is continuing to change. So I think that early learning is really uh, benefits parents so they can go to work, but it also benefits the child and giving them that solid foundation uh, to continue to grow their their education on. Yeah. You also have a division called Child Care Services that uh, – works uh, with with licensing and and monitoring and professional development. Uh, Talk about that program and and what you do with that. Right. So we have about 4,500 child care programs throughout the state, and child care um, is required to be licensed by us. And so um, to make sure that they're maintaining, you know, healthy and safe environments for these very young children from, you know, six weeks all the way to 12 years old. And so, this division uh, ensures that by doing visits, uh, unannounced surprise visits yeah. to these programs throughout the state. They do it twice a year uh, just to make sure they're in compliance with our rules. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, for the majority, I would say 98% of programs are in compliance with all the rules and are maintaining healthy and safe environments for the children in their care. But, of course, you know, when you come across some issues. We try to work with programs to help them correct any issues that we see. But of course, we can also take enforcement actions if we need to. We also investigate any complaints. You know, okay. these children can't speak for themselves, so we're dependent upon, you know, either the program can self-report that something happened or a rule violation occurred, or someone from the public or a parent, and we will investigate and take appropriate action if we need to. But it's all about maintaining healthy and safe environments for these child care programs throughout the state. Yeah, and then notes are unannounced visits, too, just to sort of spot check things. That is correct. They are completely unannounced, so they don't know when we're coming. They know we're coming twice a year, okay. um, but they do not know when we're coming. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of mo- to go twice a year. That That's a lot of work to get to all of them because there's so many of them, you know. <laughs> There are so many. I think we make about 15,000 visits a year when you talk about just the two um, normal visits and then any complaint visits we might have to make or any other type of special visits. So um, we have a pretty structured schedule on how that's scheduled at the beginning of the year, and um, our consultants are able to get that done every year. Um, They do a great job. How long are the licenses for? you have to renew them every so often? So uh, the licenses are good until you close your business. Okay. Um, right. Or as long as you're, you know, in good standing with us. So there's there's no expiration on your license. Okay. Have we, uh, have you have you seen a number of uh, child care places close? How are we doing on that? Do we have more now or less? You know, um, since I started at DECAL about six years ago, we gradually started to see a decline in the number of child care programs. But what I don't think we've seen is the number of spots that are available, per se. So it seems like the capacity um, has remained pretty much unchanged, but the number. So I'm assuming that means there are more providers that serve larger numbers of children. Um, But from my perspective, you know, based on the data that we have, we haven't heard a lot of concern that parents are having trouble finding child care. Right. Uh, and and back to you, what you were talking about, you know, the, the visits and, and you get complaints at times. Um, how do how do you handle those? Like how do how do people submit the complaints if they know that something's going on? And is that anonymous that when you when you submit the complaint? 
sure. They can do it either way. Um, you know, all of that information is available on our website. They can um, call um, our number and talk to our intake consultant. They can either remain anonymous or they can tell us who they are, and, of course, we can follow up with them. Um, but we categorize them depending on the risk, um, and then we go out and we investigate um, and then we make, you know, our determination based on the findings from our investigation. And so um, it's very thorough. You would think we were all, you know, licensed um, investigators. <laughs> um, uh, but because that's really how they act. They go in, they do interviews with children and staff, depending on, you know, what the issue is. Um, and then they'll either substantiate or not substantiate uh, the complaint. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, talk about your uh, quality rated program. What is that and, and how is it going? Sure. So quality rated is our rating system for child care. So I mentioned, you know, licensing is kind of the foundation for child care. But quality rated is an opportunity for programs to go above and beyond those health and safety licensing requirements uh, to really prove to us um, that they are really providing that quality early education and so um, programs that, uh, that um, choose to go through Quality Rated receive free technical assistance and hands-on professional development uh, through DECAL. And then we go out and do an assessment of them, an independent assessment. And based on those scores, they receive a one, two, or three-star rating. So um, right now, about 67% of all programs in Georgia have received a one, two, or three-star rating. And, you know, when things are back to normal, we'll continue rating programs and hope to see that number get as close to 100% as, as possible. Yeah. When, when parents are considering uh, child care, I mean, you know, I, you know most are, are, are wonderful, maybe some not as wonderful, you know, because you mentioned you're doing inspections and so forth. What should parents consider? What's your advice to parents when you're thinking, uh, you know, I, I have to put my child in child care? What do you say to them? How do you advise them on that? So I think the first thing they need to do is go to qualityrated.org, which has all of our licensed child care providers. It has all of the history of all of our licensing visits and everything that we've found during those visits. Um, it has the types of services that they provide, the hours that they're open, if they're quality rated, if they offer Georgia pre-K. So I think that's a very good first step. I also think it's important you know, to talk to your friends and family who have had personal experience and definitely go visit the program. Um, you know, a lot of programs will schedule tours, which I think is important, but sometimes I say drop in when they're not expecting you yeah. so you can see, you know, what happens when they don't think you're coming. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, this is your child, and so while I will say the majority of programs are doing a great job, you just want to be extra careful and ask all the right questions and make sure that they're following all of our our rules, and you can see all of that on qualityrated.org. So that information is there. We go back five years, and so you can see the history of those programs. Are you limited somewhat if you're a parent by your geographical location? I guess in some rural areas, you don't have as many choices. Um, what what areas are there? Areas like that in Georgia? You know, I would say that's probably true in rural Georgia. Again, we don't get a whole lot of calls um, telling us that they're having trouble. But you know, when you look at when you look at a map of childcare, you can definitely see more concentration in the metro Atlanta area, just because that's where most yeah. of the population is. Um, but there's childcare in almost every county, and I won't be able to remember the two. But there are two counties in okay. Georgia that don't have licensed childcare. Okay. Um, but what we know from that is most parents will go to the neighboring county because it's a small a small area. So we haven't had a whole lot of um, 
calls, you know, saying they're having trouble uh, finding child care. So that's that's good. Yeah, very good news on that. Yeah, that's it's great. You have 157 counties covered. I'm sure in those other two counties, they're, they're, like you said, they are very close to somewhere. Um, you mentioned uh, for how people can contact DECAL as far as complaints and all, but how can they contact you and find out more about what you're doing? I know you're on your website, but what are the what are the best ways then to learn more? You know, um, I in addition to our website, which is you know decal.ga.gov, um, we have a really strong social media presence um, where we post everything that we post on our website is posted there. Obviously, you know. Uh, even more quickly. So I would encourage anyone that wants to know what's going on at, at DECAL to follow us on Facebook or Instagram um, or Twitter. Uh, we post everything there, and um, it's a good place to start to know what's going on at DECAL. Yeah. We follow you on Twitter, and I see all your posts all the time. You're very thorough. You do keep keep people up to date for sure. Amy, thank you so much. Good to talk to you again. And uh, you guys have got a monumental task, and uh, you're, you're you're doing a great job to help out the kids of Georgia. And uh, hopefully, we'll 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 be through this COVID situation soon. Everything think we'll be back up to 100. percent But thank you for for talking about it today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it as well. And that is Amy Jacobs. She is the commissioner for DECAL, the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. They're responsible for meeting the child care and early education needs of Georgia's children and their families. You can find out more about them at decal.ga.gov. We thank Amy for being our guest on today's program. You can also follow us on Twitter at GA News Network. Also, if you have questions or comments about today's program, you can always email me, John Clark at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week here on Georgia Focus.